welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. We're excited to announce a new way of connecting with members and guests. We are now using Linktree. This allows us to connect to all online information about our church, the giving of tithes and offerings, along with our social media platform, all in one place. So in your worship guide, there's a QR code which you can scan with your phone. And when you do that, it'll pull up a short link. And if you click the link, it will navigate you to a web page with a list of every link that you would need concerning our church. So give that a try this morning. If you're a guest today, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. If you would go ahead and scan that QR code. And when you click the link, go to the menu and click on First Time Guests, and that'll help you get connected. A reminder that our nursery is open today if you need that. As a village church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You can give to the vision and mission of our church by scanning that same code and using the menu to click on TVC Giving. That will direct you to um, a link on the webpage. Or you can also mail a check. Our address is 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, 35811. Or after the service, you can also drop your offering in the designated area um, in the back of the sanctuary. Today after our worship service, the Enter the Village class for students and adults will meet from 1050 until noon in the Annex. This week, um, the Women's Bible Study is meeting on Tuesday, May 17th, and they've had a little bit of a change in their schedule. The fellowship time is going to be beforehand at 5.30, and the Bible study from 6 to 7, and that'll be in the church house, which is right next door. We have a community service project scheduled for next Saturday, May 21st, with Lincoln Village Ministry, and we'll hear more details about that later in the service. Next Sunday, May 22nd, is Promotion Sunday. First Steps and Village Kids will be promoted to the next program. And Amos Williams will also do a ministry moment to share about the Hope City Church plant. And then there will be a meeting on May 29th after the service for all the women of the Village Church. And we want everyone to attend. This meeting will provide the opportunity to get to know the women's ministry at the village, speak into how the women's ministry is formed, and hear opportunities to get involved and use your gifts. Whether you've been to all the women's ministry events or never been to a single one, either way, we'd love for everyone to come. Thank you. Those are your announcements. Please govern yourself accordingly. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Hey, yes, Village Church people, I hear you. I got that fill-in-the-blank call-and-response situation. Praise the Lord. This song is one of those songs that it doesn't, I, I think I can say, it doesn't matter what church you're a part of, when people sing this song, it's like, yes. And so what I would encourage you to do um, as we have this time of preparation, this song talks about how great thou art. 
and the writer is just reflecting on the goodness of God. And I would encourage you as we are singing this song to do the same and think about how you've seen, um, experienced God being good to you um, because he's been good to all of us. He woke us up this morning. We're sitting here breathing. Even if we are a little tired, you're still you're still here, and we can praise him for that. And though you may be a person that's having in a situation where it's hard to think about how good God is, how great he is, because it's just really tough right now, and I understand that. And um, I think we all can understand that. And if that's you this morning, I just encourage you to um, just say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And sing the song anyway. Just ask the Lord to help you believe and to ask him to show you how he really has been good to you. So I invite you, if you are able, to stand with me as we sing How Great Thou Art.
shall fill my heart Then I shall bow In humble adoration And then proclaim My God, how great Thou art Then sing my song My Savior's heart to Thee How great Thou art How great Thou art to worship this morning is from the song Alpha and Omega. Please join with me where it says congregation. You are Alpha and Omega. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. We give you all the glory. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. Amen.
worthy. He's worthy. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Got a little ham and organ going on here. Nice. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Everyone, particularly our our guests, we're so glad that you are here with us today as we worship the Lord on the Lord's Day. Let's, um, let's just spend a few minutes in a prayer of praise. Uh, bow your heads with me. Father God, I know many of our hearts are heavy after the events of yesterday, the shootings. It's easy to fall into despair to see just the barefaced evil of that. But God, for me, I'm just reminded that this place is not our home. That is not the way it was at the beginning, and that is not the way that it will be when you come to power. We live in the now and not yet. Evil is still here. Yet your word tells us that the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome it. Your word tells us that in this world, we will have tribulation. But to take heart, for you have overcome the world. Father, we know that not a hair falls from our head that you do not know about. That you know the cattle on a thousand hills. That when we lift our eyes to heaven, you are there. This world has nothing on you. Father, we just thank you that you have made a way for us through your son, Jesus. That when we look to him, that when we believe in him, that through his body, we have a way to you through the most holy place, the place where you are and you now, through your spirit, live with us. So, Father, yes, we mourn, we grieve, we lament. But let us fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him went to the cross for us. Help us, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our confession of sin comes from Romans 10.3. For 
being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Let's just spend a few moments in silence, uh, confessing the times even during this week that we did not submit to God's righteousness. Let's just pray for a minute silently. The good news, our assurance of pardon, comes from Romans 12, 2. Being transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The word of the Lord. Hello? All right, this morning I'm going to be doing our um, scripture reading, which comes from 1 John 3, 1 through 10. And I'd encourage you to open up your Bibles and read along with me. Wait, can you guys see me? I, I don't know if you can see. Like, I'm, I'm a naturally short person. I don't know if you can see me over the podium. All right. All right. what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are children, God's children now. And what we, sh- what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness sin is lawlessness you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin no one who abides in him keeps him on keeps him on sinning no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him little children let no one deceive you whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning the reason the son of god has i mean the reason the son of god appeared was to destroy the works of the devil no one born of god makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. The word of the Lord.
Praise the Lord, saints. Oh, we're going to try one more time. Praise the Lord, saints. Amen. Amen. I was greeted by a young man this morning. He said he was excited to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Mr. McClure, he excited me just to hear him say that. Um, got another question for you guys. Has God pursued you guys this week? Oh, hallelujah. That's great that you were able to see it. Because God has pursued me this week. Can I tell you about it a little bit? Okay, thank you. Because I'm like fire shut up in my bone. I'm just ready to tell it. I had the most exciting opportunity because God allowed me to be God on earth to my kids. The way he sees me is the way I saw them this week. It was a yes week. Not a yes weekend, but a yes week. And it excited me that I could do that. For my kids. So imagine how our father is excited when we approach him with the same joy, the same excitement, that we can go boldly before the throne and ask him of whatever we desire, and he's going to say yes. Isn't that awesome? Oh, amen. Amen. So with that being said, it got me excited to be back in the house of the Lord. One more. I was tired. I ain't going to lie. I was tired. Did not want to get about the bed. I tried to get out of bed five times before I got out. But once I realized what God had told me that morning and he put it on my heart, I was like, man, I got to share this. This is exciting. Because of the Father, a lot of times our relationship with our masters, our masters kind of messed up because of relationships that we have on earth. And they give us the wrong depiction of what our master really is and who he is and what he has done for us. Right? Amen? So he gave me another perspective. But it also allowed me to say, hey, this morning I want to see how can I serve my master a little bit better. And we have a young lady that's going to be coming up in a few minutes, and she's going to tell us how we can join them on a venture in our community, how we can love our neighbors, how we can give back a little bit more than what God has given to us. I would like to, for you to put your hands together. Yeah, actually clap for Miss Jana Baker. Amen. Thank you guys so much for allowing me to be here to just speak on behalf of what God is doing just down the street um, in this community. I'm going to speak to you guys like you have never heard of Lincoln Village Ministries before in your lives. Um, I know that some of you probably have heard of Lincoln Village, but um, just bear with me because I just don't ever want to take it for granted that we're aware of um, the opportunities that are out there. So Lincoln Village Ministries, our mission at Lincoln Village is to share the transforming power of the gospel. I mean, that's our mission. We get to do that through housing and education. We house low-income families, typically single mothers with children, but we have recently been able to move in an entire family and their children. We've had a couple of residents get married while living with us, and we actually have a single dad 
living in our community as well. Um, but they have, uh, they're all low-income families, and they're there for four to five years in our housing program. During that time, they walk alongside somebody that's called a neighborhood coordinator. I get to do that um, as part of my job. I have five residents that I get to walk alongside, help mentor them. It's a very holistic approach to just um, doing life with these neighbors. And so whatever it is that they need, we make sure that they get it. If they need a doctor, they get a doctor. If they need a dentist, they get a dentist. If they need... Um, you know, whatever it is, the sky's the limit. And um, But we're there to help resource them in ways that they didn't know were available. And then the hope is in four to five years, they're moving on to whatever their next step is, hopefully home ownership. Um, you know, but if nothing else in that four to five years, if all we have done is point them to Jesus, we've done our job. They may still be in the same place um, financially, socially, mentally. We hope not. I mean, all of those things are great to, to improve, of course, but... If they know Jesus, we feel like we've done a great job in that. And so right now we have approximately 30 residents in our community. So Lincoln School, that's on Meridian Street, is where our ministry is located. Um, Behind Lincoln School, there is a horseshoe of houses, old Lincoln Mill houses. And those have been completely renovated, and that's where our families live. They're two- to three-bedroom homes. Um, Our families pay $300 to $375 a month in rent. Um, and that if you pay any kind of rent <laughs> around here, you know, is completely unheard of. And so um, we are blessed to be able to do that because of the donors and the people that we have partnering with Lincoln Village. Um, but the, the great news is that God has also opened opportunities in what we're calling Lincoln North. So right off of Oakwood Avenue, there's three streets, Front Street, Lavert Street, and Davidson Street. We were able to purchase 40 properties there. Um, fortunately, it was a, it was a God thing. There was one land uh, um, landlord, a uh, homeowner, that was ready to, to let go of all of those properties. So we were able to get all of those and completely renovate them and move in more residents. And so with growth comes, comes the need for help. And so that's why we're here today is to really just encourage you guys to come alongside of us in that venture and... Um, in that housing effort, we have been able to build a great relationship with Lee Builders of Huntsville. And so they are doing a fantastic job on the actual renovation part of things, the construction, the skilled labor. But what we're trying to do um, on our volunteer side is stay ahead of them with demolition. So if you want to swing a hammer and clean up some demolition material, we'd love to have you. We're out every Saturday morning. Um, we're inviting you guys specifically to come out next Saturday, May the 21st. We'll meet in front of Lincoln School on Meridian Street. I'll introduce myself again, make sure everybody's familiar with what we're doing, and then we'll disperse from there to the serve opportunities up at Lincoln North. And, again, you'll be tearing out sheetrock, um, cleaning up demolition material, and um, just really getting to be a part of the community there. Just really quick, um, the other side of our ministry is education. So we've been able to um, have a preschool, three- and four-year-old preschool, which I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with, as your wonderful director is, um, our preschool director is a member here. And so um, three-, four-year-old preschool, and then a kindergarten through eighth-grade private school. And so all of our um, kindergarten through eighth-grade kids are 70, or I'm sorry, 90% of our kids are there on a scholarship. The Alabama Accountability Act, it's the state tax scholarship program. You can find out more about it on our website. But really, you can um, delineate a certain amount of your state tax that you would pay anyway to the state. You can delineate that to a um, scholarship granting organization, and that helps our kids go to school um, that following school year. And so 
I have with me some frequently asked question sheets. I have a little handout of our housing and kind of what the renovation process looks like. Again, with those bullet points of information as far as rent and things like that. So please see me after the service. I'll be happy to hand those things off to you as well as my contact information if you ever have any questions about how to get involved individually or outside of a Saturday. I'd love to talk to you about that as well. Um, the, the opportunities are really endless at what um, at Lincoln Village and what all the Lord has been allowing us to do there. And so, again, just want to thank you guys for the time to come and present Lincoln Village um, in a very short, I can talk about it all day, but I know we've got like preaching and other things that have to happen. So, um, so I'll, I'll wrap it up now, but um, thank you guys again. Uh, we appreciate it. Jenna, thank you, Jenna. You will receive more information through your village groups, so please stay tuned to the next direction. Now we have the prayer of supplication. Can y'all hear me? Okay, there we go. Many of you, some of you know this, but uh, the Village Church actually grew out of Lincoln Village Ministry. Uh, Lincoln Village Ministry was here before the church started. And I, I was actually recruited by Mark Stearns to come and plant the Village Church back in 2007. And so the idea when, when the church planted was always to have a close relationship with LVM. And over the years, you know, that's been, we drifted apart a little bit, but I'm very excited about us really reconnecting uh, with LVM, not just financially, which we've always done, but also with our hands and feet. And so I would definitely encourage you to make plans to come join us next Saturday uh, to go serve uh, our community here. Now, also, if you're just not coming in, the, the end of the village class will be happening after the service. Uh, also, the end of the village class for kids will also uh, be happening as well. And if you're a first-time guest, as, we're, as always, scan the QR code and please fill out our first-time guest form. That is our way of connecting with you and, and following up with you as well. And also, the women's ministry will be meeting uh, this Tuesday. Uh, the fellowship time is at 530, and the Bible study is at uh, from 6 to 7. Um, so please uh, join me in a word of prayer. Also, I, I want to mention, many of you may know Lisa Clark. Uh, she's no longer attending here, but she was part of our church from the very beginning. I got the honor of marrying her on Friday, performing her wedding for her. And so I wanted to, it was a wonderful ceremony, small ceremony. So it was great seeing all the wonderful things that God has, has done in her life and bringing her a godly man who is going to love her the way she needs to be loved. So continue to pray for her during the honeymoon now, but I thought many of you would want to know that uh, since she was here with us from the very beginning. So uh, please let us pray. Father, as Richard uh, mentioned earlier, we do pray for uh, the victims of this mass shooting that happened over the weekend. We pray for those families. We pray for your body, your church that are there. You give them wisdom how to minister to their community there. And I pray that you will receive all these prayers that have been lifted up on behalf of those who lost their lives and the families whose lives have been changed. And so, Lord, we also know that this, this month is Mental Health Awareness Month. 
And I want to pray for those within our congregation and who, who, who battle mental health issues. I'm one of them. And so we, we pray that you will help us to continue, know that there's nothing wrong with us, that, that you love us and you're with us, even in our mental health struggles. I thank you that you've also provided medication and counselors and support groups to help us. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone in our church who has those issues but afraid because of the stigma that is attached to mental health, I pray that you would free that person and that he or she will reach out for help, that he or she will approach me or the elders and we can get them the help that they need. Lord, you see us and know us. I pray, Lord, for wisdom and guidance of the leaders here at the church. I pray for wisdom and guidance of our local government and our state government and our federal government. I pray that these men and women will lead out of wisdom and do what is right. Continue to pray for the conflict in the Ukraine and all the families who or who have been displaced, Lord. We pray for an end of this. I know, Lord, sometimes when, because of where we live, Lord, we're so detached for a lot of the suffering around the world. But, Lord, we pray into it. The suffering that's here in our community and also the suffering that's abroad. I also pray for, thank you for Lincoln Village Ministries and, and all that you have all that you have done through that ministry here in this community. The families whose lives have been touched and changed and transformed. I pray you continue to provide the financial support the ministry needs and also the manpower that it needs. And Lord, I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. I have a a question um, I want to ask you all today, and it's it's a construction question. And so if you're in the middle of a building project, what is one of the most important parts of any building project? Well, if you're building a house or a desk or a building, yeah, that's, that's important too. Foundation. Foundation. Yes. The foundation structure is, is the base level of any building project. And a foundation has two functions. First, it keeps moisture and groundwater out of the structure. And second, the foundation, it evenly distributes the weight amongst the low-bearing walls to the, ground, to the ground beneath. You see, having the right foundation is vital because a bad foundation, well, let's say bad things happen if you have a bad foundation. The building can be beautiful. I mean, it can be on TV. But if the foundation is bad, bad things are going to happen. And likewise, when it comes to the unforced rhythms of grace, there's a good foundation that it has. And this foundation is essential. So, so, so what is the foundation? It's revealed in the first two sermons of this series, communion with Jesus, dependency upon the Holy Spirit. So I want you all to picture in your minds a, a three-legged stool. So hold that stool in your mind. Do you have it? Picture it. The seat of the stool that's the rhythms of grace that you can experience and enjoy. And the three legs is the foundation. The first leg is call of God. 
The second leg is communion with Jesus. And the third leg is clinging to the Holy Spirit, which is dependency upon him. You see, the triune God is the foundation to the unforced rhythms of grace. Now, you don't get it without him. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The call of God is the gracious, effective call of salvation. It's the call to repent of your sins. It's a call to come to Jesus in saving faith in order that you may be forgiven and be made right with God. And then communion with Jesus is the doorway to experience grace. And third, clinging to the Holy Spirit is what allows you to freely enjoy the experience. You need him. Can't enjoy grace without the Spirit. And today that joyful experience is found in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, the passage that Brother Ian read for us. The sermon title is Rhythm of Adoption. Rhythm of Adoption. And the main point is this. Clinging to the Holy Spirit allows believers to enjoy their adoption. Write that down. Take a mental note. Store it in your hearts. Dependency upon the Spirit allows you, if you have saving faith in Jesus, to freely enjoy the rhythm of adoption. But do you believe it? Please pray with him for me. Spirit, I, I, don't only, I, don't, I not only need you to enjoy grace, I need you when it comes to preaching God's word, to studying God's word. Like, I mean, if, if you're not moving, nothing's going to happen today. My heart won't be changed. The hearts here won't be changed. It, it, the word's going to fall dead if you don't take it and apply it to our hearts and to our minds. And so, Holy Spirit, would you do that for our good and for the glory of our triune God? It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Like I said, adoption is a, uh, is, is, a, is a unforced rhythm of grace that all Christians can freely experience through the Holy Spirit. Now, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what can it look like to experience adoption in your regular, mundane, everyday life, right? What can it actually look like? Can you answer the question? And I have an answer, and, and I borrowed some ideas from a commentator to get my answer. So first, you enjoy who you are. Can you repeat after me? Enjoy who you are. Adoption tells you who you are as a Christian. It tells you who you are as a person who has saving faith in, in Jesus Christ. It, it tells us who we are as a, as a local community of believers. And adoption also tells you who you are if you don't have faith in Jesus. TBC Saints and Guests, adoption tells Christians they are children of God. That's what it tells you. That's who you are if you have saving faith in Christ. So do you enjoy being God's child? Do you really enjoy being children of God? I hope so. This wonderful truth is what leads to an emotional outburst from, from John in 1 John chapter 3. 
the the, the brother is overcome with joy and, and wonder and excitement because of who believers are in Christ and because of what makes it possible. Look at verse 1. John says to you and to his readers, y'all look at what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. These, are, these words are an emphatic exhortation from John. He wants Christians to see and behold and to marvel at the greatness of God's gracious love towards them. That when you think about God's love towards you, do you marvel at it? Do you? Can you even describe his love as gracious, glorious, and great? John says, the Father has given us this love. The Message Bible says, the Father has extended this love to us. And then the NIV says, the Father has lavished his love on us. I love the image of, that the NIV translation gives us because to, to lavish means to, you to bestow, on, to bestow something in generous quantities. Like you just, you, you just keep giving it. It means to cover something thickly. Lavish is to give freely and to bestow freely. Again, can you see just how great the Father's love is for you? Think about it like this. God's love is a pitcher of red Kool-Aid that never runs out. <laughs> never runs out. You'd never open the fridge with an empty pitcher container. And some of you did that to your siblings growing up. His love is like your favorite blanket that covers you. And this blanket will never fade. It will never tear. You will never have to replace it. When it comes to God's love in our life, Relinus. From Charlie Brown. You're never going to outgrow that blanket. You're going to carry it with you all the days of your life. And guess what? You don't even need to wash it because it will never get dirty. So we carry that blanket. And here, here's another thing. You can't earn this great love through your performance and productivity. That's an amen statement. He freely bestows this love upon you. But Pastor Alex, how and when did it happen? Good question. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God loves sinners. So much so that he wants sinful people to come to a saving knowledge of his Son. Please know that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for your sin is proof of God's great love for you. So you got to look back if you want to know. And here's another thing. Jesus dies for enemies, not friends. Please know that. You're telling me God loves his enemies like that? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Romans 5, verses 8 through 10 says, God shows his love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we not have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from, by him from the wrath of God. If while we were enemies, 
we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more now shall we be reconciled through him and saved through him by his life? Let's say amen. The Father's love for us in Christ is so great that it's transformative. I mean, it's transformative. Sinners become saints. If you're a Christian, I'm talking about you. Enemies become friends. The loss is found. The undesirables become desirable. The hopeless have become hopeful. The unforgiven finds forgiveness. The unwanted is wanted. The fatherless finds a father. And orphans become kids. That's you. That's the great love of the father. I came across a story this week about a 40-year-old sister in Christ who was part of a group uh, led by author Keith Miller. And he recounts her story of adoption in her own, word, in her own words. So I want you all to listen to this sister's story. She says, when I was a tiny little girl, my parents died and I was put in an orphanage. I was not pretty at all and no one seemed to want me. But I longed to be adopted and loved by a family as far back as I can remember. I thought about it day and night. But every time, well, everything I did seemed to go wrong. I tried so hard to please the people who would come to look over me, but what I did was to drive them away. But then one day, the head of the orphanage told me that a family was coming to take me home with them. I was so excited that I jumped up and down and cried like a little baby. The matron reminded me that I was on trial, and this might not be a permanent arrangement, but I knew that somehow it would work out. So I went with this family and started school. I was the happiest little girl you can imagine. And life began to open up for me just a little. But one day, a few months later, I skipped home from school, ran into the front door of the big old house we lived in. No one was home. But in the middle of the front hall was my battered suitcase with my small little coat thrown across. As I stood there, it suddenly dawned on me what it meant. I didn't belong there anymore. Miller reports that when the woman stopped speaking, there was hardly a dry eye in the group. But then did she clear her throat and said, matter of factly, this happened to me seven times before I was 13 years old. But wait, don't feel bad for me. It was experiences like these that ultimately brought me to God. And there I found what I've always longed for, a place, a sense of belonging, a forever family. Do you see what kind of love the Father has freely bestowed on our sister in Christ here? She found a place, a sense of belonging, a forever family. She's talking about her adoption by God. She's no longer an unwanted orphan, and neither are you if you are in Christ. In Christ, God has adopted you into his forever family. He has lavished you with his great fatherly love in order that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Saying to you, you experience adoption by first enjoying who you are in Christ. You are God's son and daughter. 
Like, does that mean anything to you? No other people in all the world can claim that. Nobody can. But Christians can. The God who created the heavens and the earth calls you son and calls you daughter in Christ. Man, that should move you. That should motivate you. That should comfort you. That you get to stand before the God of the universe and say, what's up, Dad? And he says, what's up, son? What's up, daughter? That's what you are. First John chapter 1, verses 11 through 13 says, Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him and believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And Paul also says in, in, in Galatians, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. That's in Galatians chapter 4. That's who you are. In verse uh, 1, look at verse 1 again. John says, we should be called called children of God, and so we are. Like, what, what is John saying there? It's this. Christians aren't children of God by title only. Because you know some people got titles, but they ain't really who they are. It's just a title. But John is saying, you're not a child of God just by a title. Like, it's actually who you are. It's actually who you are. And children of God isn't an empty phrase or just some theological topic. Your, Your adoption changes everything about you. Your name has changed. Your identity has changed. Your destiny has changed. And your status has changed. That's what it means. Everything is different now. In Christ, you will continue to be God's child forever and ever. No matter how often you fall short, no matter how often you mess up, no matter how often you struggle with sin, with a repentant heart, the Father isn't going to pack up your suitcase and send you back to the orphanage. You are his forever. And in the words of John Legend, all of God loves all of you. He loves all your curves and all your edges and all your perfect imperfections. So how deep is the Father's love for us? How vast beyond our measure that he should give his only son to to make wretches like us his treasure? When you're God's child, you're his treasure. So you should praise him and thank him and worship him and put some respect on his name because of who you are in Christ. You don't need anything else if you're secure in who you are as a child of God. You don't need anything else to tell you who you are. You don't need to go to Lifetime or to own TV to tell you who you are. If you really know you are a child of God. TVC Kids and Youth, look at Pastor Alex for a moment. I have a language arts question for you. Yes, in my sermons, you do get educational stuff sometimes. (laughs) What is an adjective? 
Yes. Thank you. The adjective is a word that describes animal, animals, persons, names, places, and thoughts. And they modify nouns. What kids, what kind of adjective would you use to describe your parents? You ain't got to talk out loud. You can say it in your mind. What kind of adjective would you use to describe your siblings? Or your awesome pastor? Or your coaches? Or your teachers? Or even yourself? God has an adjective to describe you as his son of God, as sons and daughters of God. Do you know what it is? It's beloved. You're not just any child. You're not just any daughter. You're not just any son, but you're beloved. You're God's beloved child. That creates a whole different image, creates a whole different picture of who you are as a child of God. You're his beloved. And when when you're his beloved, it means he's going to always take care of you. He's going to always provide for you. Here and now, y'all know I love me some here and now. And if he was still alive, I would probably sit at his feet. He says, at the core of my faith belongs a conviction that we are the beloved sons and daughters of God. So do you enjoy being God's beloved son in the present tense? Do you enjoy being God's beloved daughter in the here and now? Because that's your identity. That's who you are. You you, as a Christian, you should never have to go on a journey to find yourself. You have been adopted. So you already should know who you are. So if you, as a Christian, if you're out trying to find yourself, you don't even understand your own adoption. You don't even understand who you are in Christ. You don't even understand that you are already beloved. Now I'm telling you, young Christians, if you can understand this, my goodness, you're going to have so much joy in your Christian walk. You might not have to go to counseling when you grow up, if you understand this. Because it's truth. That changes you. Your experience, adoption by first, enjoying who you are in the present tense. And secondly, you experience it by enjoying who you shall be. Who you are and who you shall be. See, adoption doesn't just tell you who you are in the present tense. It also tells you who you shall be in the future. This means there's an already and not yet to our adoption. We, have already, we already are God's children, but there are some not yet benefits we won't experience on this side of heaven. You see, there and there are also some negative consequences we will go through or experiences that we will have because we are already God's beloved sons and daughters. And sometimes these experiences might make you feel like God has abandoned you, but he hasn't. One negative experience in this world is that the world would never truly know us or understand us as beloved sons and daughters of God. You need, you need to take that in. The term world in this verse, it refers to humanity that is in opposition to God. It's referring to the unbelieving world, people who do not have faith in Christ. And John is telling us the world would not recognize us or see us as beloved. Look at verse 1b. John says, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Jesus. 
What kind of experience did Jesus have when he walked this earth? Rejection, shame, he was mocked, he was persecuted during his time on earth. First John 1 John 1.10 says, Jesus was in the world, the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. And for us, this means we, we too might experience the same kind of rejection and shame and mocking during our time in this world. You being God's beloved son and daughter is wonderful and beautiful, but don't expect the world to see it that way. Don't expect the world to affirm your identity as beloved children of God. This is something that the church in America does not get. We, we want the American culture to, to affirm us. Like, America is in opposition to God. Every country is. There's no such thing as a Christian nation. Okay? So we can't look to America to accept our new status. We can't look to our political parties to affirm all of our Christian values. You can't look at the U.S. government to rejoice with you that you're the child of God. You cannot place your hopes in the American political system or economic system as a child of God. Those, those, these things, these places, the world will never really accept us. Why are you saying that? Because they never really accepted Jesus. Why would our experience be different? He's the son of God. And they sent him to death. Why would we expect the world to treat us in a different way? John knows this reality. He knows the world would not truly, he knows the world would never truly know us. And he also knows that all God's children sometimes will live like orphans. No amens to that. But what does that mean, Pastor Allen? It means all of God's children will struggle with loving the world as you do life in it. We will. You, you, you will struggle with what John tells us not to make a practice of in chapter 2, verses 15 through 16. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from God but from the world. So you will struggle with that. You will struggle with living like an orphan. And John knows this. And that's why he calls us to look beyond our present status as beloved children of God to our future status. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look beyond the here and now. You gotta, you gotta look beyond the already and look towards the not yet. You gotta look towards who you shall be. Look at verse two. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we shall be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we will see him as he is. But what does he mean? He means that your sonship and your daughtership on this side of heaven will never be what it's going to be. He means the best is yet to come. It means part of enjoying your adoption that you got to find enjoyment in waiting. And for Americans, we don't really like to wait because we want things right now. But as Christians living in America, you're going to have to wait on this. Waiting for the future benefits of being God's beloved children. This is your future hope. The hope that all God's promises to us 
will finally be fulfilled. Titus 2.13 says, we wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So you're waiting with, 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 with patience and great expectation for Christ to return. In 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And in Colossians 3, 4, he says, when Christ who appears, when, when, Christ, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. When Jesus returns, saints, there will be final judgment. But for the children of God, it means something wonderful. Your unseen hope becomes a reality. Your unseen hope becomes a reality. John says when, when, when we, we shall be... We, when he appears, we shall be like Christ. When he returns, we shall, our face shall be made sight. We will see him face to face. So what does it mean to be like him? It means you will have a glorified body. No weaknesses, no sin, no sickness, no death, no pain, no shame, no guilt, no rejection, no injustice. That is who you shall be. And you got to look at that. They're already in and not yet. They go together. All the benefits of being God's sons and daughters will not be experienced now. I wish we could. I wish I could have my best life now. But it's to come. And that longing makes you long for Jesus to come. And you will live with that longing all the days of your life. Who we shall be is about finally being made perfect and holy, just as Jesus is perfect and holy. And that's what we await for as God's beloved sons and daughters. It's the time when you will truly be transformed into the likeness of Christ. So are you enjoying the wait? Are you enjoying who you shall be in the future? Or does it even matter? Remember, you experience your adoption by enjoying who you are in the present and enjoying who you shall be in the future. And finally, there's a third way. You experience adoption by enjoying who you should reflect. See, adoption tells us who we should be reflecting in our life. This reflection is a result of who you are and who you shall be. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Alex? Here's what I mean. The Spirit uses the already not yet of your adoption to help you live a flourishing life. As a son and daughter of God. That's what the Spirit does. He uses who you are in the present. And he uses who you shall be in the future. He uses both of them to help you reflect Christ in your daily life. Look at verse 3. John says, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. And J.B. Phillips says, Everyone who has at heart a hope like this keeps himself pure, for he knows how pure Christ is. What does John mean here? He means your adoption, it does have an effect on your life. It causes you to fix your hope on the two comings of Christ. So in the first coming, that, that's, how you become, that's how you became a child of God. And with the second coming, that's how you're going to become a glorified child of God. All that's going to happen when he comes back. 
So when you keeping your eyes fixed on that, that will lead you to purify yourself morally. It's what Christian theologians call progressive sanctification. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says, Sanctification is a work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole person after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. The Spirit does that in you as you reflect Christ in your life. And reflect in Jesus. Now, here's a, here, please receive this. Reflect in Jesus isn't you doing something he hasn't already done. Okay? Jesus has already walked the path. So the footprints in the sand belong to him. You reflect him by simply walking in those footprints left behind. So you're just stepping in Jesus' footprints. That's what it means to, 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 to um, follow him. So what are some of these footprints? John shows us two of them in, in 1 John chapter 3. The first footprint is in verse 5. He says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sin, and in him there is no sin. And the second footprint, footprint is in verse 8. He says, the reason the Son of God came, appeared, was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus has taken away the power of sin. Jesus has de- de- destroyed the works of the devil. He has done these things through his life, his death, and resurrection. So the footprint saints are already in the sand. You walk in Jesus' victory over sin and death. So you can stand up in what I call the gritty. It's a dance that the young people do. You can do the gritty by walking in Jesus' footsteps. You can dance. You can have victory. That's what it means. That you don't have to defeat sin. You don't have to destroy the devil. It's already been done. All you got to do is walk in victory. With excitement. Not like this. Well, Jesus, he uh, he did it. And I'm just going to mope along. No, he did it. Shout. Stand up. Rejoice. The sins that you currently struggle with, he already defeated it. So what does it mean to walk in Jesus' footsteps? What does it look like? It means you struggle with sin with a repentant heart. That's what it means. Not with an unrepentant heart. That's what it means, walking in his footsteps. That's what it means, walking in, in his victory over sin in your life. You struggle with it with a repentant heart. It means you can... Struggle with self-righteousness and unrighteousness, but you can't live in it. You struggle with legalism and licentiousness, but you don't live in it. Walking in his footsteps means you, you welcome accountability in your life because you know you need other Christians. Walking in his footsteps means you don't go at it alone. You, you be part of a body of Christ. That's walking in his footsteps. It means some of you may need to cut certain things out of your life because it's not healthy. It means you may need to end an unhealthy relationship. It means you might need to get a filter on your computer. It means you may go see, need to see a counselor. And it might mean some of you need to start being honest with yourself about the things you're really struggling with. Walking in his footsteps. 
He's already walked it for you. John says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in Christ keeps on sinning. That's a lifestyle he's talking about. It's not, it's not part of your lifestyle. No one keeps on sinning. Has, the one who keeps on sinning has neither seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous and as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Man, John's not talking about works-based salvation. He's talking about at the core who you are. Because if you are a child of God, then you will have a desire to reflect Christ. You will have a desire, it, will, it will just be there because your identity has changed. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. Where's that seed? That's the Holy Spirit. And he cannot keep on sinning because the Spirit will convict you. Not condemn you, but he convicts you to lead you to repentance. Because he has been born in God, and by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Who does not, who, whoever does not practice righteousness is not a God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. As adopted, beloved children of God, we live between the commas of Christ. And we will have these struggles. They're already and not yet. Even in that you can still freely experience your adoption by depending upon the Holy Spirit. You still can enjoy who you are. You can enjoy who you shall be. And he can help you enjoy who you should reflect. All of it would be out of grace. Our experience of adoption will have its ups and downs. You will go back and forth to living like an orphan and living like a child. But as Henry Nowen once said, again, Henry Nowen, we are not what we do. We are not what we have. We are not what others think of us. Coming home is claiming the truth. I am the beloved child of a loving creator. And we no longer have to beg for permission from the world to exist. As a beloved child, Jesus has provided a meal for you. This meal on this table, he has provided for you, and he asks you, if you are a child of God, to receive this meal. And this meal is for your spiritual nourishment. This um, bread and this juice, the Spirit uses to nourish you and to strengthen you spiritually. And so if you are a child of God, if you have saving faith in Christ, then you are welcome to partake of this meal. Now, if you are a child of Christ and you know there are some people in your life you haven't, you need to get right with, you need to get right with them before you partake of this meal. Friends and family, if you don't know Christ, I consider it an honor that you're here. And, I, and, 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 I, and if you have questions about what it means to know Christ, please see me or one of the elders after the service. And, and adults, we ask the kids that are with you abstain from the elements until they have been invited to the Lord's table by the church that you are a member of. Now, all TVC kids and youth, this is always my favorite part of communion because I get to address you as your pastor. This meal is a reminder that Jesus loves you. It's a reminder that his life and his death and his resurrection paid the price for you to be made right with God. 
And as your pastor, it's my prayer that each and every one of you will come to saving faith in Christ. And that one day you get to partake of this meal with your mom and dad. And until then, observe. Observe what we're doing. Observe this meal as a, as a proclamation of the gospel. The elders who are assisting us, ask them to come forward. Let us pray. Father God, I pray that you would take these common elements, the bread, the juice, and provide nourishment to your sons and daughters. And I pray that those who will be observing who don't yet know Christ, the Holy Spirit, you will be tugging at their heart, convicting them of the sin, and drawing them closer to Jesus and hopefully into saving faith. It's in Christ's name I pray. Yes, if you want to prepackage one, please uh, raise your hand. But he brought me in, oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. The sun sets free. Oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child.
Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And having given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's Christ's body broken for you. Eat of it, all of you. And in the same manner, he also took the cup. And having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission. daughters of a good father this is Christ's blood shed for all your sins past, present and future drink from this all of you let us pray Holy Spirit as we end this service and as we go back out to the places where we do life I pray for that you would send us out as a strengthened people send us out as a people who have more hope to press forward. And I do pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen. Saints, will you please stand as we close our service.
receive the Lord's benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all and all God's people said, Amen. Please greet one another, saints.